0: All right, well, let's, let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into James chapter 5. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. I know for many of us, this will be a challenging message, but Lord, we need to be challenged. Lord, we need to draw closer unto you. We need to become the men and women of God that you've called us to be. May we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. May we be hot or cold. Lord, we don't want to be lukewarm in our walk with you. Lord, be the teacher this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So this morning we're continuing to look at the, and I thought we were going to finish it this morning, but we're not going to. It'll be next week, Lord willing. But we're coming to the final chapter as James, as we know, the half-brother of Jesus, one of uh, many of, of Jesus' brothers and sisters who were right different dads, same mom, amen. And we know that we saw that James was kind of the pastor over Jerusalem. But by the time he wrote this letter, the church is scattered because of persecution. There's a time when they're being fed to lions when they're being martyred for their faith. And so he writes this practical letter to the entire church that has been scattered and see that what, the, what Satan means for evil God will use for good. See, as the church was scattered, all that it did was take the gospel further and further away from Jerusalem. It was so easy just to stay home and God spread them out. So as we've been seen so far, he just was a very practical letter. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It has very practical applications for how to be a mature Christian, how to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ. He first talked about counting all joy when you fall into various trials. And we saw that trials are a part of the Christian life. Too many people preach today that if you come to Jesus, you won't have any more problems. Well, the reality is that someone who's born again, a new creation in Christ, living in a lost and a dying world is going to have tribulation and trials. But as the Bible says, that he has overcome the world. Amen. We also saw not only tribulation, but we also saw temptation. While tribulation God allows into our lives to conform us more to the image of our Savior, temptation comes from the enemy to draw us away from our Savior. And we talked about how when we go through trials, the word hoopamone there, "per patience, means to stand under. And we're supposed to stand under that trial as long as we need to, to grow as much as we possibly can. And that's what prepares us for the temptation that would follow again, that we could stand for the things of God. We saw that true faith is seen in our works, not faith or works or faith plus works, it's faith that works. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, amen? Amen. But as believers who've been truly born again, works will be evidence of our salvation. We also saw throughout the text, his exhortation and encouragement to be doers of the word, not hearers only. You know, it's one thing to say, I believe, and it's another thing to live like it. Another verse was also be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's something for all of us. We should, we should listen quickly, be slow to speak, and of course, slow to be anger for the, you know, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He later said that pure and undefiled religion before God, the fathers to visit orphans and widows. He also said not to uh, prop up people that are rich, not to prefer the rich over the poor, that we are to have, there should be no partiality within the body of Christ. Give preference to do not give preference to the rich over the poor. And then he says, forever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point is guilty of them all. He also said, Talked about the fact that mercy triumphs over jump judgment and that faith without works is dead. And just believing isn't enough because even the demons believe and tremble. He then talked about the fact that the tongue, as small as an instrument as it is, and like a rudder can steer a great ship, so too our tongues can, again, bring about great destruction. You know, our tongues can be used to praise God or to curse him. It can be used to exhort and encourage men and women, or to tear them down. And so we need to be careful, again, what comes out of our mouth. We talked about the fact that bitter and sweet water don't flow from the same fountain. Words don't slip out, they pour out from your heart. You know, as Christians, we shouldn't be singing praise songs, you know, while we're here and then cussing a guy out in the parking lot. Amen? That's not how Christians should be acting. Again, it's that one heart, not be, bitter and sweet water flowing from the same fountain. He then went on to say that God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. You know, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, this book is like the book of Proverbs. It's just one amazing and just very applicable uh, point after another. Then he tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we need to be drawing near to the Lord and resisting the devil. Amen. Amen. We draw near to the Lord. We resist the devil. We don't entertain the devil. We're not entertained by the things that the devil puts out. We run to God and we run. We don't run to the world. And then we saw to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, to not speak evil of your brethren. And if the Lord wills, we should say, only if the Lord wills, we shall go here and there. It's one thing for us to tell God what we're going to do. Guys, we don't tell God, we ask God. Amen. We never tell God anything. Because we're all idiots compared to God, amen? amen? We don't tell God, we come humbly before God. And we ask and we seek of him. And then the last chapter ended, again, therefore those who know to do right and do not do it, that it is sin. So that brings us to this final chapter of James uh, this morning. And we're going to look, Lord willing, at the first 12 verses. If you have your outline, grab it. I outlined the entire chapter, hoping to teach it all, but that's not going to happen. When I get to about 45 pages of notes, I know that uh, we're done. So, So I titled the message, Living in Light of Coming Judgment. So as Christians, will we stand... Before a throne of judgment. What's the answer? There you go. Yes. Then a trick answer. Will we stand before the throne to judge whether we're saved or not? What's the answer to that? No. That's the great white throne judgment. We've been forgiven. We're born again. We will not stand before that throne of judgment. But we will stand before the bema seat, which is where we will be judged on how faithful we've been with the gifts that God has given us. Let me ask you guys a question. What is your life about? Gonna answer? Just think. What is your life about? If we are there amen, somebody got the right answer amen. If you yell Jesus you're always going to be right. Amen. But the reality is that when we define our lives, what's it defined by? Is it defined by our career? Nothing wrong. We should be the best workers in the building. We should do our job as unto the Lord. But is that what defines you? Is that going to be the headline of your obituary? Sadly, it is. I, I read an obituary recently and just said he was a huge Raider fan. I thought, bro, if that's the highlight of your life, you're in a lot of trouble. But see, what, what defines your life? And now, again, being a parent, a grandparent, those are wonderful things, those are amazing things, those are gifts from God. But as those, much as those are a blessing, even that should not define our life. Amen. Amen. It's not our job, it's not our, it's not our you know what favorite team we root for. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. See, we live to know him and to make him known. We live to worship him and to tell others about him. Amen? Amen. And that's what God has called us to do. We need to draw near unto him and know that we will stand. Now, look, we're saved by, by faith and by grace, but not of works. But... How faithful we've been with the works God, the gifts God has given us, we will be judged for on judgment day. And we should not be satisfied just, again, with the get out of hell free card, stick it in our wallet and go live like the world. God's called us to be different. So let's take a look at what we're going to look like. Looking at life from a heavenly and eternal perspective. First, we're going to see the false and fleeting security of worldly riches. There's a temptation to seek security in our bank account, our worldly positions and our possessions. We have all done this at times where we judge success of either ourselves or someone else based purely on how much wealth they have, how many, what possessions they have. Uh, people are judged by the house they live in, the car they drive, maybe initials after their name. And we have all these things that we take pride in that won't mean anything when we stand before the creator of the universe. It's all chaff, it's all wood, hay, and stubble, it's all going to burn, amen. amen? And too often, though, we, we elevate people, and we, we even congratulate people, and even parents will say, Christian parents, you will ask about their kids, doing great, just got this promotion, just bought a big house, just did this, just got engaged. They go down the list, oh, they're not really walking with the Lord, but other than that, I've had my kids digging ditches and loving Jesus. And if you dig ditches, dig them for Jesus and nothing wrong with that. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Anything we do, we want to do as unto the Lord. And so too often we're going to see that these things that the world treasures. You've heard me say it before. You've yet to, yet to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Amen? You know, you're not taking anything with you. It, what, you know, you're going to leave it all. Someone asked, how much did, how much did so-and-so leave behind? And the response was, all of it. Amen? Amen. Not how many millions, not what did he accumulate? That's not what matters in this life. Putting our faith in that which is perishing instead of that which is eternal is so foolish. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We often spend more time planning for our retirement on earth than where we will spend eternity. Are you all set up for retirement? Forget that quote. I'm getting to that age. Are you, are you ready to retire? Are you ready to retire? Here's my response Are you ready for eternity? Amen? You got a great 401k plan. I got the promise of eternal life. We're more concerned about how comfortable we'll be in the last 20, 30 years of our life than we are about the billions of years we're going to spend in eternity. Amen? Amen? Guys, we need to focus on that which is eternal. Let's be faithful in the temporal, let's be faithful in the time we have left on this planet. But what really matters. Is where we spend eternity. I had a chance to talk to Don McClure, who was my pastor in San Jose. We were talking about my son, and he said, "Dave, here's what a parent needs to do. Here's 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 what you need to do as a parent." Guys, ready? Get your kids to heaven. He said, "Get your kids to heaven." He said, "Marks in heaven." Well done, dad. Amen. Amen. See, it's so easy for us to focus on everything else, but what really matters? Are you going to be in heaven? Are you going to spend eternity separated from Almighty God, weeping and gnashing of teeth with a lot of other rich people? Now, there's nothing wrong with riches. Wealth can be used for ki- the kingdom of God and for his glory. As Ron McCoy says, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Amen? Yes. So there's nothing wrong with that if you don't worship it. If it's not the priority and passion of your life. And if it's not the thing that, where you seek peace. Number two, the priority and pay, of patience and perseverance. May you love the Lord and the purpose of your life that your love for the Lord and the purpose of your life be unwavering. You know, as believers, it's patience and waiting upon the Lord, that hupomone, that standing other, that waiting upon him. And sadly, here's what happens too often, is we want God to do what we want to do in the timing that we want it. And we become impatient with God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. And so that patience, that waiting upon the Lord, the Lord, allowing the Lord to use us how he wants to, in his timing, for his glory. It's not my will, but thy will be done. Be patient. Wait for God's perfect timing. No striving. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Live every day in light of his soon return. Joy is not based on our temporary circumstances, but who we are in Christ. What a blessing the baptisms were last week. And it really blessed my heart. Everybody that got baptized was an absolute blessing. And then it was really amazing to see... Doug and Ashley's uncle, who was blind, being helped down into the water to be baptized. Who had wanted nothing to do with the Lord for all of his life until a couple of years ago. And everybody that got baptized, it's just, it's an outward statement of an inward change. And guys, that's what matters in eternity. Amen? Amen. And too often, we're focused on everything else. Next week, we'll see the power of prayer And then we'll see the permanence of people, that the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. So let's begin there in verse 1 of James chapter 5, first looking at the false and fleeting security of uh, worldly riches. Look at verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl. Now, does that sound like anything the world says to the rich? The world tells the rich, congratulations, you deserve it. You're better than everybody else. You've made it. So tragic. James had developed the idea of the need for complete dependence upon God, that man apart from God is faithless, foolish, and condemned. The Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. The wisdom that does not descend from above is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Man left to himself upon himself is doomed. And he's telling these men who've put their faith in the things of this life, who put their faith in how how many people serve them. You know, it's contrary to what the word of God says. The Bible says you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. The world says your success is determined by how many people serve you. The Bible says a mark of a mature believer is how many people you serve. And we've got that turned around and we've listened to the world and and we become, you know, we can become pretentious and we can become self-absorbed and we can, you know, talk about how many people, uh, you know, work for us. And the tragic thing is that it's so contrary to what God has commanded. Sadly, mankind is extremely prideful and is quick to take credit, is self-centered and sees himself as self-sufficient. They put their faith in their riches instead of to the Lord. That's what he's saying here. Come now, you rich, weep and howl. If you're putting your faith in money, you will be weeping and howling for all eternity. Amen? Well, that's not a secret sensitive message, is it? But here's the reality. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. God doesn't create finite beings. You're all infinite. We already have eternal life if we know the Lord. We don't get it when we die. We've already got it. Amen? We have it. We are eternal beings. We're going to just close our eyes on earth and it'll be moving day and we'll open our eyes in heaven. And that eternity will go on and on and on forever. And the sad part is for those who don't know the Lord, they'll close their eyes on earth. They'll open them up to the great right throne judgment and they'll be cast away from the Lord because they rejected him. He may show them every opportunity they had to be saved and they just said, no, I don't want you. I don't need you. And guess what? It doesn't matter how much riches you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what position you have. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. None of that matters when we stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Either we know him or we don't. Amen? And we don't just know him. We're his kids. We've been adopted into his family. Amen? And when he sees us, he recognizes us. He knows us. By the way, he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us as the down payment on heaven. We know we're going to heaven because the Holy Spirit comforts us when we need to be comforted. Thank you, Lord. And he convicts us when we need to be convicted. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. And if you are not convicted over your sin, the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you and may today be the day of salvation. amen? Amen? So he's telling the rich, weep and howl. All these things that... You've put your faith in all this great wealth from the world's perspective. It says in James 4, 6, we saw it last week, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. He's emphasizing man's need for complete dependence upon God. You know what? Sometimes we need to come to a place where we can't fix it because that will drive us to our knees and cry out to the only one who can. Amen. Amen? See, we think, well, I just want to be comfortable. I got my, you know, we saw the man who who bound up all the, the, I've got enough food to last me for 25 lifetimes and he died the next day. And too often what we do is we're storing up things so we can feel comfortable. We want to be comfortable. When you retire, are you going to be comfortable? I hope I'm never comfortable. How about you? Amen? Amen. We're not supposed to be comfortable. This isn't home. You know, we're going to be comfortable in heaven can't wait. Heaven's better and longing for the day we will be there. He now rebukes those who most likely, those most likely to live independent from God, the rich. The Bible says, now again, nothing wrong with riches. I mean, here's the reality. If you're in this room right here, you're rich compared to most of the world. Amen. Amen. You got food in a fridge and a place to sleep tonight, you're richer than a, a huge percentage of the world's population. But he also said, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What he's talking about is somebody who puts their faith in their wealth, puts their faith in their riches. And Lord, help us. Keep us humble, keep us broken, keep us desperate, and keep us usable for the kingdom of God. It's important to know that being rich, again, is not a sin, that money itself isn't inherently evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, the accumulation of wealth can produce a false sense of security and self-sufficiency. Uh, prayer life tends to be more fervent when we don't know where we're going to get the rent. Amen? When we don't know how we're going to feed our kids tomorrow. It drives us to our knees. It gets us to a place where we're crying out to God. And it's better to be there than to have a grocery store full of food in your pantry. Amen? Amen? See, it's better to be humble. It's better to be broken. It's better to be desperate. Lord, help us. Jesus spoke often of those with riches, kept them from seeing their need for the Lord. We've talked about it many times. Lazarus and the rich man, Luke 16. Lazarus was a beggar, seated at the gates of the rich man's home. The rich man had everything. The rich man... You know wore purple like all the rich people do and and when he died no doubt there was a huge funeral and no doubt great amount a lavish amount of money was spent and there were professional mourners and when Lazarus died most people probably didn't even notice but you know who did the Lord. And it says in Luke 16, Lazarus is in paradise. He's in Abraham's bosom. He's in the presence of almighty God. And the rich man is in torment. And he looks across the great Gulf and he asks for Lazarus to dip his finger in water and come bring me some relief, please. And the Lord says, he can't come from there to you. Because the cavern that spreads out what is now heaven and hell is sin. And see, the only bridge from sin to heaven is the cross of Calvary. Nothing else can get us there. Good works won't get you there. And you can't write a big enough check to get into heaven, regardless of what some naming and claiming, grabbing and blabbing, it and, it, it, and, blab it, believe it, and achieve it pastor may tell you, amen? amen? It has nothing to do with what you give uh, financially. It's surrendering your life. It's not just making him savior, but making him Lord. Does Jesus Christ rule and reign in your life? Does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? Does he, does he walk with you? Do you have intimate fellowship with him? Do you know God or do you just know about Him? The rich man no doubt knew about Him. It's been eternity. And you know what's scary about What's crazy about this, That Luke was written a couple thousand years ago. Guess where the rich man is right now? He's still there. He's still there. We, don't, we do not take any delight in that. Amen? We grieve that anyone is there. You know who else does? The Lord. So much so that he left heaven, came to earth, endured the torment, the suffering, and the shame, went to the cross of Calvary, and was crucified, and knew separation from the Father, because he didn't want even one person to go to hell, because God didn't create us for hell, he created us for heaven, it's our sin that sends us to hell, amen? amen. So he says to these rich people, well, so it tells them to wealth, and howl. why? Because you're putting your faith in the wrong thing, by the way, religion won't save you either. Amen? You can be religious and lost. Ask the Pharisees. You can be religious and lost. Being charitable won't save you. Being a good person, let's scratch that out because there aren't any. Amen? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We're all good compared to somebody else, but compare yourself to Jesus. How you doing? We've fallen short. Amen? no thought of his desperate need for the rich man. And, and sadly, you know, he, threw, he, might, he probably felt good about himself that maybe he threw Lazarus a loaf of bread every once in a while, threw him a crumb every once in a while. Look what a charitable man I am. Look at me. Look at all the good works I'm doing as he throws him a piece of bread and walks around in his riches and puts his faith in himself and never surrenders his life to the Lord." He died in torment. He found out just how worthless all those riches were. In Luke chapter 12, we talked about this recently, the parable of the rich man. He built bigger barns, wanted security of more than enough to last for a lifetime. He planned into his old age. And it says in Luke 12, verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So it was he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. If you don't have a, a bank account, if you're not rich toward God, if you don't have a relationship with God, it will all come to nothing. The rich young ruler came to the Lord, and wanted to follow him. And the Lord said, go and sell all you have and come and follow me. And what did he say? He went away sad. Why? Because he owned a lot of stuff. He had so much stuff that it kept him coming from the Lord. Maybe that's why some of us don't own so much stuff. Amen. Lord, I don't want any more any more stuff than I need. Amen. Because stuff can keep us working longer hours to pay for the stuff, buying stuff we don't need, right? With money we don't have to impress people we don't know. Amen. And we're we're living for the world and what have we done with for God's son? They came with a report from Afghanistan. I don't know if you know, there's a Calvary Chapel ministry that has gotten, I think it was like 600. 600 people out of Afghanistan at their own expense and flew in there and got them out. And these guys are all former, you know, military guys. And they're asking for volunteers. And a big part of me said, I'll go. You know why? You can't threaten us with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? Can't threaten us with heaven. A, there should be a mentality. Let's, be, let's, let's serve God with reckless abandon, amen? amen? But we won't tell the neighbor about Jesus because they might not talk to me anymore. They might look down upon me. You know what's sad? That person's gonna howl and weep. Don't we care? Don't we care? Don't we care enough to be uncomfortable? Amen? We often spend more time, like I said, planning on our retirement than planning on our eternity And the only 401k that matters is heaven, amen? Amen. Problem is not the riches, but the hearts of them that possess them. Weep and howl is an expression of deep distress. It's tears of despair, accompanied by loud outcries. Come now, you rich. Here's what the world would say, live comfortably. Be served by others. Look down on those with less. Be proud of your accomplishments. How many followers do you have? Ooh, I'm impressed. It's not how many followers we have, it's who we're following. It's all that matters. Notice what he says here. For your miseries that are about, that are coming upon you. Coming righteous judgment. Context, not many years later, there was judgment coming. In AD 70, Titus Epiphanes would come and wipe out basically just obliterate all the riches that were in Jerusalem. And they, and they would just, all those who were very wealthy would quickly become servants. But that's, and that's certainly an application. but the ultimate application is the eternal one. They were all killed or sold into slavery. Their fortunes were destroyed or stolen. Uh, temporal worldly wealth quickly came to nothing. Guys, hold on to the one who will never let go. It's Jesus. Amen? All the stuff the world has. My parents went to heaven a while back. We had to sell my mom's you know, dream house that my dad built for her. And it was very precious to our family because we met there so often. But you're walking through it without my parents there and it's empty. Because see, it's not about the house. It's not about the stuff. It's about the people. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't die for houses, he died for people. He didn't die for cars, he didn't die for careers, and he certainly didn't die for the Raiders, I might win a game. But he, he, die? he died for us. He'd rather die than live without us. Verse two, says, "'Your riches are corrupted, "'and your garments are moth-eaten. "'Your gold and silver are corroded, "'and their corrosion will be a witness against you "'and will eat your flesh like fire. "'You have heaped up treasure in the last days.'" There were classifications for wealth in those days and here's what they were. First of all, a tremendous having a lot of food. Having they would store up food and they would want to be prepared for, you know, a famine that may come. And so if you were wealthy, if you had a lot of food, that was considered wealthy. The second thing was clothing you know, if you read through the New Testament and the Old Testament, even like if, if you had more than one suit of clothes, if you had something to change into while your clothes were being cleaned, you were considered wealthy. And certainly somebody who had, you know, a ton of garments was considered wealthy. So a lot of food, a lot of garments, and then finally gold and silver. So if you had money, if you had clothes, and if you had food, I think we've all got that. Amen. Don't ask my wife about my closet. I'm in trouble with God. Amen. <laughs> I don't get rid of clothes. I, I got this shirt in 1989. <laughs> Why buy new stuff? The old stuff works, amen? But, point making, but the point I'm making is, this is all gonna burn, amen? See, the things that they thought, because here's what they thought. If I have enough food, I'll, I won't go hungry. If I, have ne- if I have enough clothes, I'll never be cold and naked. If I have enough cold, I'll always be able to take, be taken care of. If you don't have Jesus, what does he say? Your clo- yeah, the food will perish. Your clothes will be moth eaten. And the gold and silver will corrode. See, all those things that we put our faith in, all those things that are our security, all those things that we hold tightly to, are all going to perish. They have no value in eternity. I'm looking forward to seeing my Savior one day. And I know he's not going to ask me about my wardrobe. He's not going to ask me about how full my fridge was. And he's certainly not going to ask me about how much money I had in the bank. All that's going to matter is what have I done with God's son and how faithful have I been, how faithful have you been with the gifts he's given you. We need to all examine our own hearts. Guys, the Lord could come back today and I'm in. Can I get an amen to that? But let's live every day in light of, of his soon coming. There needs to be a sense of urgency. If the Lord can't, if the enemy can't convince you of no hell, you say, well, they won't believe that because it's written all over the Bible. If they believe no heaven, well, they, they won't believe that either. Jesus talks about heaven too. Here's what it will convince you of no hurry. Take your time. Be about your stuff. Give God time when you have it. We need to be in fellowship. We need to be making disciples. We need to be using our gifts for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Amen? Because when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Again, the food will rot. The clothes will be moth-eaten. The silver and gold will be corroded. And again, it seemed to be, you can be set for life. And it's so false. It's so fleeting. Death can come so quickly. By the way, the stuff they love, to, the gold and silver, they love to hang on to, that's asphalt in heaven. Amen? I don't think we're going to be checking out the gold streets in heaven. I think gold is going to be so common, it's asphalt. Amen? Heaven is going to blow us away. Amen? And the greatest thing about heaven is our Savior is there. Have you ever thought about hugging Jesus? It's coming. Amen? What about seeing all those that have gone before us? Amen? And yet we're so busy buying things we don't need with money we don't have to people we don't know to be serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The rich man put his faith in the wrong thing temporal wealth instead of God's eternal promises. We've seen the the volatility of worldly riches. I think a million dollars buys a shed by about now in Thousand (laughs) Oaks. I keep getting things in the mail about how much my house is worth. You know what it's worth? Nothing in heaven, amen? Amen. Who cares? I care less about money today than I ever have because I have more people in heaven than I've ever had, amen? Amen. It just just changes the priority and the perspectives. It makes you think more, you know, don't put your faith in the stock market. A fool puts his faith in that which he can lose. Here's the good news. Jesus will never let you go. He'll never let you go. If you're putting your faith in anything you can lose, your faith is very volatile. Put your faith in Christ. He says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord. Notice the heart of this rich man revealed in not only amassing more than he could ever use, but also how he obtained his wealth. And so tragic. It says here, look what it says there in verse four. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Here's what's happened. The man was rich, because he mistreated people. He didn't pay his people a fair wage. He got over on people in business deals. And he was proud of himself that he had made himself wealthy on the backs of others. And here's the sad part. Let me just say this as Christian. So most of you guys know, I've been a pastor 33 years. I've also worked for the same company for 33 years. And the company I work for, I sell advertising and I sell to the largest accounts and so- largest businesses in Southern California, mainly air conditioning, heating, plumbing, people like that. And every once in a while, one of them will point out an ad with a Christian fish in it and say, that guy robbed me blind. That guy ripped me off. That guy got over on me. As Christians, err on the side of generosity. Amen? Because it's God's money in your bank account, whether you know that or not. Error on the side. When someone comes and works at my house, I overpay them. Amen. Tim knows every time. <laughs> I got, we got any projects due, Dave? No. <laughs> you know why? Because it's the Lord's. Amen. And we want to be, God. when I go to a restaurant, I over tip. Why? Because they're going to see us praying at the table, and we're going to talk to them about the Lord. Guys, we do not want to come across as as, as stingy and greedy, but generous. Why? Because the money doesn't matter. The people do. Amen. Let's focus on them. Let the God be glorified. And by the way, if you take God's money and use it to bless somebody else, you think God will make sure you can eat? Yes. He will provide. Amen. But here's what this guy's doing. He's he's ripping people off. I hear business guys brag, yeah, I got that guy to underbid that job and I stuck it to him. I made probably 12 million on that and he lost his shirt. And then I went in and bought his business. And where do you fellowship again? Amen. As believers, we should be generous. Amen. Is God generous with us? We need to be generous. Give it away. Bless others. Look for those who are hurting. That's what the Lord would call us to do. This rich man got rich by by taking advantage of other people. Those who value money and possessions above people may have to run over a few people in pursuit of their financial goals, running over the eternal in pursuit of the temporal. Guys, are you using your money to bless people or using people to gain more money? Bible says the labor is worthy of his hire. Pay generously that God may be glorified. If you owe someone money right now, pay them. I tell my Christian business owners, they're like, yeah, you know, I'll 180 day out of them. I go, where do you see that in the Bible? You see, does the Bible say hold it for 180 days? The Bible says if someone does the work, you pay them before nightfall. That's in the Bible. Amen. Some of you are going, I, I've been owing my uncle some money for a Write him a check. Amen? As believers, we do not want money to get in the way of our testimony. And we don't want to treasure things that are perishing above people that are the only thing on this planet that is eternal. Amen? We want to be generous. Don't hold money out on others. Pay them on time. But you know what else? Here's another thing, too. I will say this, but if you're a worker, get to work on time. Because if you don't, you're stealing from your boss. Okay, I didn't hear an amen in the room. (laughs) You give him a full day's work for a full day's pay. Amen? As believers, these are practical things. But as Christians, shouldn't we be different than the world? I love that my boss, especially in San Jose, would come and tell me every time they had an opening, you got anybody else at your church that needs a job? Because all the Christians here, they all work hard and I never have to worry about them. They do their job as unto the Lord. And it's amazing. We want 10 more people like the people that go to the Bible study. Lord, let that be said of all of us. Amen. Amen? Amen. Let that be said of all of us. This guy was proud of himself, taught people in a way that they praise God, not cry out to God to bring judgment upon you. Be careful not to put yourself in a position where you begin to see people as prospects more than people who need Jesus. Amen? Hey, if you're involved in multi-level marketing, God bless you. This is not your downline. This is your church family. Whole bunch of you go, what is he talking about? But that's what happens. There are, people, there, are, there are people that go from church to church just to create friendships so they can sell them whatever they're selling. One thing, if you go to somebody you need help and they want to, but guys, we're here to minister to each other. Amen? Amen? We're here to love on each other, to serve each other, to care for each other, not to take advantage of each other. May our treatment of others bring glory to his name, not cause them to cry out. Lord of Sabbath, there at the end, that doesn't mean Sabbath, that means Lord of hosts or Lord of the armies. It describes God as a heavenly warrior. He hears the cries of the unjustly treated, he hears the cries of those who've been taken advantage of. Here's the, he heard the cries of whom these, this rich man took advantage of, who he now says, weep and howl. It's not God's heart that he would weep and howl, but because of his unwillingness to surrender to the Lord and the way he took advantage of people and the way he stored up great wealth, that God righteously judged this man who viewed people just as a way to have more servants for himself. Again, the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. We should act in a way that brings glory to His name. If people find out you're a Christian, they should want to know Christ, not say, "Oh, another hypocrite." How many of you have ever been a hypocrite in your life? If your hand's not up, you're a liar and a hypocrite. Amen. <laughs> We've all been hypocrites at times. What is a hypocrite? Someone who says one thing and does another. Real, literally means a mask wearer. Somebody who puts on a mask, pretending to be something that they're not. And guys, we should be hallelujah in Jesus just as much in the grocery store at work and in our neighborhood as we do here on Sunday. Amen? We don't walk down the hill and leave Jesus up here. Amen? (laughs) We take the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. And this rich man had gotten over on people and it says that what he had done had reached the ears of the Lord. See, we may get away with it before men, but God sees it all. Amen? God sees we do what we're doing when no one else is watching. God hears how we talk to our spouse. He sees how we treat uh, the people that, work, that we work with. He sees, you know, what we watch and how we entertain ourselves. The Lord sees all that. And it reaches to his ears and he knows. And guys, he's the only one that really matters. He's the only one that matters. What have you done before him? May our testimony again, and may our treatment of others bring glory to his name, not cause them to cry out. Again, the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. It's not about accumulating wealth while those who, whose backs it was earned from starve. I have one client uh, who's a Christian, got saved in prison. Um, he tells me often I'm his best friend. And uh, he'll call me up just for a prayer. He owns a very large business, and I go to his Christmas. He invites me to his Christmas parties, and he pays his people extremely well. And they all stay. They love their boss, and they see Jesus in their boss because they tell me, "Guys, let that be us." Amen. Amen? Amen. Let that be us. Verse five it says, "You have lived." On the earth in pleasure and luxury, you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. In the context of wine, of whining, uh, those who work for you starve by indulging themselves. They the, they, they ate so much and took so much for themselves that the people that work with them. Uh, could not even feed their families. they fatten fattened themselves for, up for the slaughter. You know what that means? The righteous judgment of God. You've gotten so fat on the things of this world, you've, you've fattened yourself up for the slaughter that is coming. You know, the Lord is a God of love and grace and mercy, but he's also a righteous judge. And he reaches out and gives us opportunity after opportunity to be saved. And if we keep rejecting him and saying, I want nothing to do with him, and we keep chasing after the things of the world, and we keep mistreating the very people that he died for, righteous judgment is coming amen? amen lord help us and we need to pray for the people who reject the lord because therefore, the grace of god goes everyone in the room amen? amen we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread we need to be loving and kind and gracious and, and recognize even somebody that's full of themselves oh, that would be me without jesus and that's me with jesus sometimes Amen. Amen. We all struggle with pride at times. We all do. Find out if you're a servant when someone starts treating you like one. What do you think I am? Servant. Bible told you so. Amen. That's what we ought to be. Our actions either glorify God or they invite his righteous judgment. Are you, are, does your life glorify God? Or do you just play church for an hour and a half a week? Somebody drags you here once in a while. You come to make your girlfriend happy, your husband happy, or someone in your family do you really have a relationship with the Lord? Is he your best friend? You love him more than anything? Guys, that's where you need to be. Look what he says. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. You have condemned, you have murdered the just he does not resist you. Even as these men have pursued their temporary world wealth to the point of condemning, even murdering of a just man. People rob places, kill people for a handful of money. It happens every day in our country. Amen? People get killed for $80. You know what that's saying? Your life is of no value And that handful of money means more than you do. And as believers, we ought to treat people like the money means nothing and the people mean everything because that's what the word of God tells us. Amen? Amen? And we want to, we should, again, be generous, be kind, be loving. While a temporarily-minded man is willing to defraud, condemn, even murder, the just man leaves his vengeance in the hands of the Lord. See, as believers, we all struggle, and as men and women, we can all struggle with pride, and we want to get even. Nobody likes being taken advantage of. I've had Christians say to me, well, I'm just not going to be a doormat. I'm not going to let people walk all over me. Oh, you mean like Jesus did? Amen? Again, not a lot of aim. I had, to, I had to prompt that. Hey, guys, I get it. I'll be, I'll be transparent with you. I like the movie Taken. Anybody seen it? Yes. Guy took his daughter. Yeah. I have some special skills, and I'm coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> As a dad, I get it. As a mom, you know, I get it. Somebody takes your kids. Uh, wrath of Dave. Amen. <laughs> And there is a point to protect your family. Someone comes in your house trying to kill your family. Judgment's coming quicker for them, amen? But the reality is, that being said, most of, the, most of the things that have been wronged against us are not life and death. They're not trying to steal our children from us. Maybe they've harmed our character, said something about us. You know what? God will do a better job defending you than you'll ever do. Amen? you know what you do? Pray for him. Pray for him. Person, curse you, pray for him. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? You know the first time I ever said that? I was walking through the crosswalk with Donnie McClure, Don McClure's son. We were working together in San Jose, and a guy came around the corner in a Ferrari and blew through the crosswalk, missed us by a foot, going 70. And he got down the road, and Donnie's yelling at him. And I just looked at him, and I said, people who don't know God act like they don't know God and kept walking. But the reality is, he doesn't know God. I I, I doubt he did. I didn't see a Christian fish on the back of the Ferrari. You know? (laughs) But as believers, we should be different. Amen? Let's be different. Let's be radically different. Point number one here, the false and fleeting security of worldly riches There's a temptation to seek security in our bank account, worldly possessions, worldly positions and possessions. You know, the last point there, do we use money to minister to people or do we use people to get more money? Point number two, the priority of patience and perseverance. Look at verse seven. It says, therefore, in light of what we just read, in light of the fact that, you know, riches are perishing in light of uh, people oppressing other people and the way that they treated them. And the judgment will come to those who put their faith in anything but the Lord. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. People ask me all the time, how long do I have to be patient? You just got your answer. Until the coming of the Lord. Amen? Well, I've been, I've been praying about this for three days. Come on, Lord. God's not answering my prayer. I've heard this plenty of times. I prayed it yesterday and this morning. What's up? (laughs) Be patient, hupamoni, stand under the weight until the coming of the Lord if necessary. Amen? Amen? You may not, the things you're praying for now that seem to be taking a long time, you know God loves you enough not to give you what you want but to give you what you need? And that means sometimes he's going to tell you no. And the best answer to a lot of the prayers we pray is no. Amen? And here, the exhortation, the, the priority of patience and perseverance, you patiently wait and persevere. You leave your situation in God's hands, and you wait for God's perfect timing. You know, striving. When I was a young man, that was one of my, I don't know, I would say all the time, no striving. No striving, no striving. Because if you strive to attain it, you gotta strive to keep it. Amen? And striving means knock the wall down to make it happen. And, you know, young man's pride is in his strength, and, you know, there's a part of you that just wants to make stuff happen. If you make it happen, it may not be what the Lord wanted to happen. Amen? There's patience and peace in knowing that God is faithful and he loves us. He knows what's best for us. So Lord, I'm praying for this, but in your perfect timing, according to your will, not my will, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And a lot of times we wait a long time for things and and the Lord knows maybe those things would take your focus off of him. Maybe that promotion at work would steal time away from your family and ministering to your family and using the gifts God's given you. Some of the things that we pray for, I remember Pastor Chuck said he prayed fervently for this woman in Bible college he wanted to marry. And she didn't return the affection. He was mad at God for a while. And then he met his wife. And he was thankful, really thankful to the Lord for Kay because she was the woman God had for him. And then he went to a reunion and saw the woman he prayed for and met her and was really thankful (laughs) that God said no. (laughs) See, too often we pray for things and we, we forget that God knows better than us. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we say in Jesus' name, it means according to his will, and we believe he would agree with this. Amen? amen. Not in Dave's name, in Jesus' name. Pray in my name, as was about be yelling down a well, because it means nothing. <laughs> amen? amen? See how the, now watch this, here's the example. I love the examples. I love the, the Bible just rocks, amen? Look what it says. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of earth? The farmer doesn't go out, dig a hole, drop a seed, and pour some water and stand there. Come on! I came out here yesterday. What's up? He knows when he plants it, he's going to have to wait a great amount of time before anything starts to come up, an even longer amount of time before it starts bearing fruit. Amen? And so he tells them, like the farmer, yeah, we pray and we should pray daily. Lord, please. You know, Lord, your will be done. And Lord, if it's no, I'm good with no. Lord, whatever you want. Not my will, but thy will. And then recognize that God may wait. But do you know that, and we've all seen it, that God will often wait and he may say yes to that prayer, but he says yes when the timing is right. Amen? It's not just what we pray for, but when God chooses to answer our prayer. Notice he says they're waiting patiently for it until it receives the early And latter rain. A farmer does not give up when his crop doesn't come up immediately. The farmer knows the crop is coming. So too, we must trust that God's righteous judgment is coming. And like the farmer, we need to continue to be faithful in anticipation of the precious fruit our label will produce. You know, one of the things about being at the pastor's conference this week is I have several pastors I've gotten to know, and one guy's up in Alaska. Some are planting churches all over, and some of them have been there a long time. And some of them are pastoring churches or starting Bible studies, and they may have been there six months, and there's four people coming. And it's so easy to just quit. It's so easy to just go home. One of the guys who spoke, I knew when he was a youth pastor, and we were talking for a while, and he'd been in a city for many, many years, and the church was a handful of people. And if you ask Pastor Chuck, he'd always give the same answer. Hey, Pastor Chuck, I've been there three years. I want to quit. Stay another year. Come back the next year. Hey, Pastor Chuck, I've been there four years. I want to quit. Stay another year. He's going to say that till the Lord comes back, okay? But guess what? This man stayed. The church grew. And it became fruitful. But here's what's even more important to understand. If you get to minister to four people, you should be blessed and count that a privilege. Amen? We're not preaching to empty seats. We're making disciples and praise God for it. But see, too often we look at the farmer. Look, I just drove by the farmer down the street. And he's got, all, man, look at all of that. And look, at I got... I got nothing. It's, it's kind of coming up. And we get envious of the farmer down the street. So we sell our land and move away and we give up. And the Lord doesn't want us to do that. Amen? amen. He wants us to trust him and his perfect timing according to his perfect will. We just trust the Lord. Look at verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Amen, amen, and amen. People have said, well, you know, Christians have been talking about the Lord come back for t- for years. 2100 for 2000 years you know what that means he's 2000 years closer <laughs> <laughs> amen and we should live every day in the light of the fact that he could come back tomorrow you know it talks about the virgins with the oil ready right, for the wedding party right and then the ones that don't have the oil they wait till the last minute and then it's too late to run and get the oil Oil, the representation of the holy spirit amen Guys, we should live every day that if he comes back tomorrow, we're ready. Amen? Let's be faithful to you. And and if there's, I'm just going to address you guys as my family. What is the excuse that's keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do? What is it? Whatever it is, it's not more important than obeying God. Amen? Amen? Well, as soon as I retire, well, as soon as my kids get out of the house, well, as soon as I have this much money in the bank, as soon as I have this, the enemy wants you to wait, the enemy wants you to wait till the Lord comes back and you're saved. If you know the Lord, you're going to heaven. But guys, we don't, we want to be more than saved. We want to be faithful. Amen. Amen. We want it to be the Lord of our lives. We want to surrender it all to him. His coming is at hand. We need to live our lives in light of his soon return. Look what it says here in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Times of hardship can cause us to be less loving with other Christian brothers and sisters than we should be. Amen? Amen. If you're going through a bad time, and we all know about that because we've all done it, it's no excuse for you to mistreat other people. Amen. Well, I was just going through a tough times. Sorry that I treated you like a th- No, that doesn't work. This verse condemns it. Amen? Amen. Amen. By your fruit they shall know you. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Yes, we go through hard times, and here's the th- here's the reality of what I would say. I, I shared this with you. Holiness for me, grace for everyone else. Lord, judge my life. I want to live a holy and set-apart life, and I want to treat everybody else with the, most amount, the highest amount of grace I possibly can. Amen? Amen? Most of us want grace for me and holiness for everyone else. Why aren't they acting perfect? And don't they know what I've been through? Okay? As believers, we should treat others with grace, and we should try to live lives that are holy and set-apart unto the Lord. And don't, com- don't grumble. By the way, a hardship is not an opportunity to complain, but an opportunity to stand for the Lord. Amen? When the fire comes, it melts away the dross and makes the gold more pure. When we go through trials, no suffering is wasted. It molds us more to the image of our Savior. And it doesn't mean we don't grieve because we do. And there's nothing wrong. Grieving is not wrong. Jesus did it. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. But acting sinfully and arrogantly or begrudgingly or complaining or chastising other people or attacking other people and using your grief or your difficulty as an excuse, that's not okay. We can understand why it might happen, but it's not what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. We all grieve different. We all go through different trials, and and whatever trial you may be going through in your own mind may be the biggest thing in the world, and, and we get that. But guys, our joy isn't based on our circumstances. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, if you're only happy when things are perfect, you're not going to be happy very often. Right. Amen? Right, When's everything perfect? Never. But here's what happens we, we can focus on that. Well, if I had this and this and this, then I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't, because you could have everything the world has to offer. You could have all of it, and you just want more of it. Mm-hmm. How much money, Rockefeller, did you need to be? Was it 1 million, 10 million, 50 million? A little bit more. That was his answer. A little bit more. Guys, we need to learn to, with godliness, with contentment, is great gain being content where we are. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you have plenty. And that's where your heart needs to be. And that's the exhortation that God is using James to give here. The judge is standing at the door. The Lord's coming. Are you ready? He's coming. The cross, when you look at the cross, is it the greatest act of love you've ever seen or is it a stone of offense to you and you want want them all taken down? See, Jesus is either the one you can't wait to see or the one that you're afraid might come back. Amen? I can't wait. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm going to have to be patient, but Lord, you can come today. Come today, Lord. I'll wait. Amen? We can pray for that. Amen? But we need to be patient and wait upon the Lord. Let's finish the chapter. Then he says there, are my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. You know, when you look in Hebrews 11, God's hall of faith, he lists all, the, all these faithful people of God and for sake of time, show me somebody used mightily, I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. I can't find an example of that in the Bible anywhere, unless they're just used for a minute. But I mean, anybody who, who you know, David, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, let's just go down the list beaten, mocked, scourged, beaten, on the run, uh, Paul stoned to death, day and night in the deep. We go down the list of all these people used mightily. They all suffered greatly. But then we say, Lord, use me mightily, but I don't want any suffering. I don't even want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Some people only come to church when it's between like 70 and 80. You know, too hot or too cold, and I'm watching online. If that's you, God bless you. We love you and repent and get back down here next week. (laughs) But the reality is that we are, we look back at those who went before us and we see their example and praise God for them. They're referred to as so great a cloud of witness, such a great example for us to follow. And my prayer is that we would hang out with people like that. Endured incredible hardship and persecution, remained faithful. And there's people that live today. John Corson, one of my favorite Bible teachers, lost his wife, his wife died in a car accident. 10 years later, his daughter died in a car accident. 15 years later, his son died of a brain tumor. I think it was a brain tumor, it might've been something else. And I'm like, and that brother is still standing. That is only possible with the Lord. It's only possible with the Lord. There's no other way anybody could do that. So we need to look at those examples and say, Lord, I see how you can make people stand. Help me to stand. Lord, I know that you... Did the Lord know that my son was going to heaven on September 17th, 2021? What's the answer? He knew before the foundation of the world. Does it break my heart? Yes, it does. Do I want him back? I absolutely do. But do I still trust God with with all my heart? Because he's in heaven and heaven's better. He just beat us home. Amen? And and, And I can look at these examples... Job. Look what he says in verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end attended by the Lord, that the Lord was very compassionate and merciful. See, in the beginning, Job lost 10 children. He lost everything he owned. He was covered in boils and he was scraping the boils. And his wife said, curse God and die. And he didn't know that God was going to come and bless him all, all over again. But he still said, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And by the way, I have a whole new level of of respect for Job's wife. I used to always pick on her. I'll never do it again. She lost 10 kids in one day. I can understand why she might be mad. Amen? And and isn't God gracious enough to show us grace even when we're mad at him? Amen? Amen? shouldn't be mad at him, but I understand why in our flesh we might be when we're hurting that much. Amen? Then he finishes off verse 12, and he says, but above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by the other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Here's what he's saying. Be a man or a woman of your word. If you say it, do it. A lot of people take this verse and say, I can't take an oath, so I can't pledge allegiance to the flag. That's not what he's talking about. I can't take an oath, so I cannot be on a jury. That's not what it's talking about at all. What it's talking about is that we are to be men and women of our word. And we shouldn't even have to swear to make it binding. If you say something, do it even to your own harm. Amen? If you make a promise to somebody, be there. I still say to my grandkids, I said, Papa promises. What does Papa do when he promises? They say, he does it. We need to do that, amen? amen. We need to make sure when we say yes, we mean it. When we say no, we mean it. And we need to, we need to honor the Lord. And notice it says that because it says if we don't, then, then judgment is coming. Guys, he is the word and his Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And we should be people who are faithful to the words that come out of our mouth, Amen. And our words should honor his word. Amen? Amen. Let's be faithful to the, what God has called us to be. Be a man or a woman of the word. Be it at home, be it at work, be it in everyday life. Say you'll do something, say you'll be somewhere. You be faithful to that. To that. Don't allow circumstances or a lack of convenience to keep it. Don't, don't back out at the last minute just because it's going to get tough. God wants us to be faithful. So in closing, living in light of coming judgment, looking at Life from a heavenly and eternal perspective. Number one, the false and fleeting security of worldly riches. What is the profit of man if he gains the whole world loses his own soul? There's temptation to put your security in things that are perishing. Number two, the priority of patience and perseverance. May your love for the Lord and purpose of your life be unwavering. Be patient. Wait for God's perfect timing. No striving. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Live every day in the light of a soon return. And our joy isn't based on our temporary circumstances, but who we are in Christ. And may we trust the Lord and not be swayed by our circumstances. Remember, when the waves kicked up, the disciples panicked. Jesus is in the boat sleeping. Don't look at the waves. Look at Jesus. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you won't panic about the ways because you'll know that he's in control. Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. And we will praise you in the midst of this storm. We will praise you no matter what. And Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that we would not allow the things of this world to be more important than you, that we would not allow the riches of this world to take our eyes off of that which is eternal. Lord, we pray that we would value people more than we do money. That we would love you more than we love anything else. And that, Lord, you would, we would be tools in the hands of our master. That we would be faithful to use what we've given. We've been given for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, help us to be patient. We all struggle with that. We all struggle with patience. Help us, Lord, to pray. In our, we know that we pray in our time. You answer in your time. Help us to wait upon you. Help us to trust in you, help us to rest in you, and help us to thank you when you say no, because you love us so much. I just pray for everyone here this morning that, Lord, if they're living a lukewarm walk, if they've been satisfied when less than your highest, I pray for all of us that we would step out of our comfort zone and we would surrender our lives fully to you. Everything we say, everything we do, Lord, it's all yours. We give our lives to you. We give our possessions to you. We don't own anything, Lord. All we want is you. All we need is you. And we long for your soon return. And I pray when you come back, you will find us busy about your work. We ask these things in your holy, and your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said.